0: This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rapid. With me this week, two fantastic human beings, Nick White. Hey. And Kate Lamphere. Hi. Thank you both for joining me this week. This is the, officially, the last I Read Comic Books episode of 2019, which is kind of crazy because next week's episode is actually going to be airing on the 1st, so we've got a whole thing, but you know, if you're listening to this technically it's christmas in the united states and across the rest of the world unless you're like forward in the time zone but you know i'm not going to figure that out it is technically christmas today that this episode comes out so if you celebrate christmas happy christmas if not happy regular wednesday for you um (laughs) (laughs) so you know i'm going to do the thing that i do every single week and i'm going to ask kate and nick how they've been how have comic books been so let's start with kate
1: I've been great. I've been really trying to do the Goodreads 2019 reading challenge, and I don't know if I'm going to make it at this point. You have like a week left, Kate. I know. (laughs) How many books do you have left on your list? Like half of it. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) So you just took off the rest of this week or rest of this year so that you could do this, right? You just took that off from work?
1: Uh, That would have been a really great idea, but I did not do that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, Godspeed.
1: Thank you. I'm going to try. I did read Under the Moon, A Catwoman Tale, which is not part of the reading challenge. Nice. okay, Not a step in the right direction. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's by Lauren Miracle and Isaac Goodhart. I basically know nothing about Catwoman except for the occasional uh, when she shows up in the movies, basically. So you just know Anne Hathaway, right? Michelle Pfeiffer, yeah. And Michelle Pfeiffer yeah <laughs> um, so, but I've heard that this is a really great book. It was on the Goodreads Choice Awards for twenty nineteen which is separate from our group. Oh, cool. <laughs> it's That's all cool. Goodreads. My whole life is Goodreads mm-hmm. uh it did lose to Pumpkinheads, which probably tells you that the majority of the users on Goodreads are like teenage girls <laughs> or at least young, <laughs> younger adults <laughs> sure <laughs> <laughs> um. I I did really end up liking this book though. It's got it's got it all. It's got a tragic backstory, a diverse cast of supporting characters like like a Ravenclaw type hacker and a Hufflepuff type parkour teacher, and then <laughs> Catwoman someplace in the middle. Like she steals things, but she's really brave. So
0: okay, I thought you were gonna keep going with the Harry Potter analogy of like she's a Slytherin but also a Gryffindor.
1: <laughs> That's exactly what my thinking was. <laughs> I was like, I can't. I need the Sorting Hat for this one. <laughs> That's great. Um she's got a really great character arc. She ends up helping um a young girl in the book that really remind I I don't know if it re- if she reminds her of herself but but I definitely saw parallels in the two characters. And okay. in this book, she goes by cat girl and she really insists on going by cat girl. But at some point her friends are like, "But what's your name?" and she's like, "My name is Cat Girl." What are you talking about? Anyway, this has definitely sparked my interest in more catwoman stories, but considering that this is a YA graphic novel, I really don't know where to go from here. Like, I imagine that the rest of the stories about Catwoman are about Catwoman, as in the adult. Mm-hmm, so I don't mm-hmm. know if there's a great jumping-on point f- from this point. I have
0: no idea. I think we have to consult our our resident DC young adult-oriented comic book expert, Kara Shamborski. But my guess is that she would say, forget about Catwoman, just read Young Justice or Teen Titans or something like that. Because <laughs> I know that that's in the same kind of vein of like... YA yeah not necessarily YA but like very drama oriented stuff kind of like YA books can be so I don't know that's my best guess but Nick uh, what about you how have you been how have comic books been uh th-
2: things have been fine I feel like we've hit that point in the year that I think a lot of people hit where you're starting to panic and figure out exactly what your holiday plans are uh and I realize that's kind of a privileged position because I suppose there are some people out there who like aren't trying to figure out which relative they're going to go visit because some of the relatives have said y- you you can't come back after what you did last year mm-hmm. and um okay um so some some people yeah uh that's that's what happens but um again like I said I'm in a privileged position where it's kind of a, a juggling of who's going to go where and who's going to see who and who's going to get seen before Christmas or after or get pushed off into the new year if you're like on a low tier of, of family ranking. I don't know. Um, so that kind of panic is setting in. So that's that's great, which, which is maybe why I've been reading comic books instead of actually trying <laughs> to solve my real-world problems. Um, yeah. uh, <laughs> and in that regard, I read um, Prodigy the Evil Earth. This is written by Mark Miller or by those of you who look at the word and say, "Can't you read?" Mark Millar um, drawn by Raphael Albuquerque, colors by Marcelo Mayolo and letters by Pete Doherty and the main reason I really just picked this book up is because I just haven't seen Raphael Albuquerque's art in gosh quite a long time. I'm sure someone to this someone who's listening to this is angrily shouting at their um Uh, phone or podcatcher or whatever you know he was just on this well guess what guys I don't have comic book db anymore it's it's gone I I tried to go there out of desperation like two days after I knew it was closed and you know maybe there was a fluke or some last minute reprieve but it's it's gone so there's nowhere else on the internet to get that information and so that's (laughs) that's just a problem. But yeah, to to Mark Miller's credit, he always finds a way of pairing himself with really talented artists, and so sometimes when I'm just not keen on Miller, or even if I'm aware of the premise of the book and I just don't love that, sometimes he'll just be paired with someone where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm just mainly going to read it for that. And so I saw this on Hoopla, and the trade came out in July of 2019, and as the book suggests, the main character, Edison Crane, is in fact a prodigy. Um... He helps win his prep school's polo final, despite being six years younger than everybody else on the team. He learns martial arts simply by watching the movies on TV and, and mastering the muscle movements. Uh, (laughs) He performs open heart surgery on his childhood friend, which um, if that's your version of like a play date, I I guess that works, but um, that happens. Uh, He, simultaneously participates in eight games of chess at the world championship he jumps the grand canyon on a motorcycle on fire with no parachute and abandoning the bike halfway uh he learns from chinese masters how to channel chi balls um
0: What what does jumping over the Grand Canyon on a motorcycle have to do with being a prodigy? Right, so
2: apparently the premise here is that he gets a lot of letters from fans in the mail, and he has this one fan who keeps coming up with all these escalating, crazy ideas where the only way you're going to truly enact or or play out this murder scenario, suicide scenario of sorts, is uh, if you're smart enough to concoct a way in which you can do it. And not die. And, of course, there are other things here where we get the idea that he's truly learned how to master body and soul. Because, as I said, he's apparently Goku as well. Um, okay. In terms of the the ki or chi balls or whatever. Gif, jif, who cares? Yeah. Fuck yeah. everyone getting mad right now about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and so, yeah. It, does it feel like it's the beginning of Iron Man? You know? Yeah, it does feel like the beginning of Iron Man. Yes. Uh, so he ends up in this whole Globetrotting adventure The Australian government is like Hey we have a problem um, Cars are materializing out of nowhere And it's a bizarre situation Because the cars are for brands That have never existed on earth And they have license plates For states that have never existed In the United States And the cars are filled with animals in cages that are dead and if that sounds like something very bizarre that's because it's a fucking mystery and now it's the whole crux of the book okay like okay why is this happening um so so
0: so what's the so the so the point of this book is that this guy's just really cool i'm confused as to where the like hook is into the story of however long this volume was
2: Right. So uh, the premise is that he's he's a very smart guy. Um, His dad, I think, was a senator and then he became like secretary of state. And his dad is very much like, look at this path that I've carved for you. Basically, more or less, you can probably go on to be president. Right. And um, okay, this kid, uh, Edison Crane, um, you know, he's much more interested in kind of following all these like mysteries and people that are trying to like tie him into all these different like unsolved events and things like that and as a result his dad disinherits him you know hands him a dollar coin and says like that's that's all you're going to get from me um and so yeah it basically turns into something along the lines of National Treasure or or Mission Impossible where we're like learning ancient secrets about the government and breaking into you know high security buildings and oh um okay this is know, a hard a lot left of that <laughs> as he's trying to solve this mystery and um if it seems like gee this is like tailor-made for becoming a movie or a TV show all you need to do is remember that Mark Miller has a big bucks contract with Netflix at this point and you go well okay that seems that seems to add up um yeah. i'm just really intrigued that Mark Miller has written a book in which the protagonist isn't a sexually frustrated violent Violently prone Caucasian man in his low twenties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I guess I should mention that the main character Edison Crane is is African American. Um, so in that sense, I think it's it's great because you know, Miller's protagonists have, at least for what I've read of Miller, have been pretty narrowly defined within yeah. a very small subset of characteristics. Mm-hmm. So it's great to see him branching out even if it maybe feels a little um superficial and not as uh not as in depth and well rounded of a a character i mean I would say there is like one defining difference in characteristic, which is the idea that um Edison is smart enough to obviously understand that. Um, sheer intelligence and and violence aren't like the only two ways to solve problems he genuinely Mm -hmm. seems to have a um, real sense of empathy um, and a lot of people that he finds along the way that are, are broken or like a soldier who has PTSD he tries to like um, you know, find ways to get them working for him or helping him out or, you know, like sort of a mutual you help me, I help you sort of thing. So that's, that's gotcha. kind of nice. We'll see. We'll see if this gets a sequel or not. I don't know. I feel like Miller is just not that interested in doing that sort of thing anymore, mm-hmm. you know, beyond a five, six issue arc.
0: So... Well, he's, um, he's written a lot of books that just kind of end after a first arc with a potential to continue. And I think that's just him trying to set up future avenues when he maybe runs out of ideas or just needs to cash in on something. Who knows? Not to say that that's all Mark Miller thinks about, but it seems like on the surface that's all that he thinks about. Well, and if, if it's not that, it's what Netflix is asking of him. I feel like I want to try this, you but know. it also feels like this guy is is a perfect character. So I'm interesting to know interested to know what the hook would be or the 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 challenge in the book is. If it's just the mystery, then that's one thing. But if there's something else about his character that you know, his is he flawed in any kind of way? You don't need to tell me, Nick, because I think you've given me three quarters of the book at this point. Yeah, but, um... <laughs> I mean, like we're at
2: eighty percent really at this point. Sure, yeah, sure, sure. Um, I mean, I will say the other thing that is kind of interesting is that you frequently get this um, glimpse into sort of like his mindscape if you will where you just sort of like delve into his brain and it looks like sort of like an mc escher drawing with stairs going everywhere and there's like seven or eight different um edisons sort of standing around wearing different um clothing to sort of um suggest whether they're like the athletic part of him or the the brainy part of him or the like the psychological part of him and they're all kind of conversing and uh, it's it, it, a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's figured out how to channel his subconscious into like he can selectively target where that subconscious brain power is going so he can have it right. working on different it's crazy like yeah it's yeah yeah well I, I again
0: do I need to read the book now I'm just I'm just curious I
2: <laughs> I, I mean I, I think you still need to read <laughs> the fine. book for the main it's reason fine. I actually wanted to read the book initially which is just great Raphael Albuquerque art gotcha gotcha you know so that's that I'll just briefly give you 30 seconds as well and say, I started Usagi Yojimbo, just started it. It's by Stan Sakai. It's a book series that's older than me at this point. Mm -hmm. And for a while I put this off because I said, I don't know much about feudal Japan. I don't know if I want to read a book about a rabbit who's a samurai, isn't that quirky, whatever. And then I think Mm -hmm. yesterday it struck me and I went, so you'll read Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and you'll (laughs) believe all of that. And all of that's perfectly fucking okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if it's a rabbit, somehow there's a problem. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, wow, I'm an idiot. And it's not that I haven't come to that conclusion before, but it was more just, wow, I'm an (laughs) idiot uh, again. So, um, yeah, I'm going to give this book a chance. like. Holy shit, for a book that came out in 84, this book looks gorgeous. Yes. that Yeah, so, that I
0: think has been something that I've always heard about this book, is that the art is incredibly good, even in the earlier stuff, um, because Stan Sakai is, is a very talented creator from my understanding.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I don't know if there's anyone else who's really... I mean, come up with an example if you can, but I don't know if there's been anyone else who's dedicated so much time to the same series, maybe, like, ElfQuest is, like, the closest thing I can think of.
0: ElfQuest, I mean, Hellboy started in the 90s, right? I mean, even then, Eastman and Laird, I mean, but again, I think Yosaji Yojimbo, like, is definitely, 1984, that's crazy. Um, Yeah,
2: and, like, Hellboy works, but you kind of have to put an asterisk next to it, because, like, at which point did Mike Mignola stop really writing and drawing it? sure too, right. totally totally so, so you have always been S- stan sakai so. right
0: okay that was the thing i wanted to confirm okay that's that's wild i did not know that about this book um i would see now i now i feel like we got to try this. i feel like this should be like an i read comic books di- deep dive we should get into something like kind of out there like yusaji ojimbo um but yeah, I don't know. I, I Really briefly what I've been reading, um, I jumped into Immortal Hulk. I just had some back issues that I've been sitting on, and I read issues 21 through 27. This book just keeps going in all of the best ways. Like, every single time you think he, Ewing is wrapping up a storyline, he unpacks it a little bit further in in a very good way. Like, he doesn't brush over any details, and he makes sure that, like, every single thing is is covered. I, I think he's doing a stupendous job on this book. I can't read wait to keep reading. It's so fantastic. Um, and Joe Bennett's Art is unfucking believable it's it's only gotten better and i mean this is joe bennett who and issue one was a top tier artist um i think as he's gone to do more and more of this weird body horror stuff that's been prevalent throughout immortal hulk his art has only gotten better and it works so well i think there was one issue in there in the the range that i read that had a guest artist and when it switched back to joe bennett i was like oh no this is the only artist that can work for this <laughs> um And and not to say the other artist was bad, but I think, like, just Joe Bennett's specific style of line work is so crucial to a lot of the body horror stuff that I think really makes this book truly unique over at Marvel. Um, one other quick thing I'll mention is I read Doctor Doom number one this is by Christopher Cantwell with art by Salvador LaRocca and I've been sitting on this book for a while I, I don't know why I didn't read it I felt kind of intimidated by it because I I really love Doctor Doom as a character but I wasn't necessarily ready to jump into where Marvel had Doctor Doom at the moment and it turns out it doesn't matter you just need to know that Doctor Doom is running Latveria and that people welcomed him back with open arms and they wanted him to be their dictator I guess and it's <clears throat> it's an insane book because Kang the Conqueror shows up for no reason, um, and then it turns out it's a crucial reason, and Doctor Doom submits to being arrested. It's a great opening number one. I loved issue number one, so I, I really got to pick up the rest of the issues that have come out, um, and I'm, I'm very happy to know that even, especially in issue one, um, Doctor Doom goes out of his way to insult Reed Richards and Tony Stark for being like slobs and lazy, and I fucking just love that about Doctor Doom. His His pompous act will forever be one of my favorite things in comics so um that's what we've been reading let's talk about really quick what's coming out comic books are coming out on christmas november december 25th 2019 so there quite literally is not much coming out Uh, according to league of comic geeks i think there's something like 20 or 30 comics coming out and so we as a group had to kind of go through and figure out what are we actually going to talk about today because while there are like new number ones heck I don't even think it's 20 issues that are coming out um, we need to figure out what we we're gonna talk about today for this but there there are issues that are coming out so uh, I guess Nick, I'm gonna to toss to you really quick what are you excited for this Christmas? week <laughs> well you're you're correct michael there's
2: 40 books coming out this week that's including trades and variant covers yeah and i'm pretty yeah. certain 25 percent of those books are just variant covers of i think it's betty page number one for um <laughs> dynamite so uh if you were excited about that book uh good news there's a lot of options um all of them are wearing bikinis i think um which is fine um yeah, not not a lot of options here. Um, honestly, it wouldn't even shock me if even less books, like, arrive this week and that this is just some sort of auto-scheduling error. But um, that being said, uh, Dial H for Hero, The Trade, comes out, or should be coming out this week. Uh, that's written by Sam Humphreys, art by Joe Quiones, and colors by Jordan Gibson. This is part of Bendis' Wonder Comics imprint, uh, personally, I'm just shocked to see Dial H in any iteration only like six and a half years after China Melville's run under the same name for the new 52. Mm hmm. Um, I have a strong feeling Humphrey's book isn't quite going to be as dark as Melville's, if that's how you say his name, I just keep running into French names, fuck me, Um, especially like the core dark premise of Melville's book, which I've brought up on this show before, but like, the 30 second version of Dial H is, it's a magic phone, or a magic phone dial, if you find it and you use it, you get... Um, Powers of some random superhero the catch of course is that you don't know and can't control What power set you'll get? Um, China Melville's run was just wonderful and dark because a little bit into the run you realize that it's not just about Getting a random power set. It's actually about somewhere in the multiverse somewhere in the universe When you dial up a power set you're actually taking those powers away From the usual bearer of those powers And Hmm. uh, Chaos ensues because of it I don't think this will be that dark Um, This just involves a teenager Named Miguel Montez He finds DH Dial Uh, Bad guys want it Because why wouldn't you want it Um, And he heads off on a fun road trip to deliver it to the one person he thinks that can keep it safe, Superman. So clearly there's some bad decision making that's already happening um, (laughs) this far into the book. Uh Uh, So, yeah, I mean, like I said, um, I'm just absolutely shocked that DC is, is doing dial H in, in, in any capacity. Like for me, dial H is one of those properties that like, it feels like one of those DC properties that gets trotted out every like 20 years or something like that, where people Mm -hmm. are like, well, um, we have this. So the fact that it's like showing up, not even a decade after the last time, um, I'm just, I'll, 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 I'll take dial H in, in, in any form.
1: So,
0: you know, gotcha. Sounds cool. Uh, Kate, what about you? What are you excited for this week? Or not this week. Dot, dot, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I cheated. I'm sorry. I there was, there was nothing coming out that I was terribly excited about on Christmas or, or even that I'm aware of the week of New Year's. So I chose something that comes out on January 8th, a couple weeks from now. And surprise, surprise, it's a Firefly book. It's Firefly Outlaw, Ma Reynolds, <laughs> number one. By Greg Pack, David Gianfelice, and Ethan Young. And yeah, it's about Mal's mom, who's an outlaw. Okay. And the cover shows Ma Reynolds holding a smoking shotgun and Mal is basically hiding behind her in a store. <laughs> and- <laughs> okay, so
0: Boom is just just pounding out these Firefly books, right? That's what yeah. I'm understanding.
1: Yeah, like the last one was about a heist with all, the, all of the lady characters from the ship. And um, yeah, this one's about Ma Reynolds. And I'm only f- following Firefly and Trade because I, I end up getting so behind in comics anyway. I might as well have the nice, beautiful hardcovers on my shelf. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So it's probably going to be a little while before I actually read this one. But I'm so excited about all of these like crazy stories that they're coming up with
0: oh yeah I mean what a wild concept Uh, especially like I would have never expected to see a book about (laughs) Captain Reynolds' mom
2: (laughs) I mean it's just crazy when you consider that all of this has been built on the backs of one season of a show and not even that long of a season Mm -hmm. and a movie Uh, yeah that's just crazy
0: I'm sure more has been made of less but still crazy yeah, I, I mean it's it's impressive. I think like that, especially that there's still like a fan base. Like, obviously Kate is all on board for this stuff, so it's like, <laughs> I mean, I think there's more than just one person out there. Like, there's obviously a, an audience for this. So, I, I mean, I Kate, have you read any of the stuff that's come out since um, Boom bought, got the license for this?
1: I've only read Volume One, and okay, okay, Volume Two is sitting at at my LCS waiting for me to pick it up, and then I think I have the heists book With the ladies in it, but I haven't gotten to it under my pile of, of the Goodreads uh, challenge books.
0: Okay. I, well, I guess the question was did you like volume one that you've read so far? I, I maybe you've asked this on a previous episode, but I, I'm still curious.
1: Yeah, it, it was a big uh, change from what Dark Horse was doing because it covers Mal and Zoe in the war that's the backstory to the show. So right. it, it's a big shift. But it's still I, I think that they were still true to Mal and Zoe as characters and mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking forward to reading more about the rest of the characters that weren't in the book.
0: That's exciting. I I guess to to a certain extent. I mean, I feel like there's gonna eventually be just a huge huge backlog of Firefly stuff for people who one day discover the show in like 2050 and they're like, oh, that was really cool. Whatever happened to that? And then Kate's going to open up her chest full of Firefly comics (laughs) and say, don't you worry, I've got you covered. That's how Kate's going to talk in the future too. (laughs) Uh Well, for me this week, I'm actually picking a book that's supposed to come out on Christmas Day and this is East of West number 45 by Jonathan Hickman and Nick Dragata. and the end of times is coming as far as I'm concerned. I'm I'm a couple issues behind on this book but we are in the middle of the final arc of East of West. The whole series is going to be done and I don't know what that means. I'm very scared to see what the end of times means. Like, I worry that if this book ends, the actual world is going to end. I feel like Jonathan Hickman has that kind of power now. Uh, Marvel has given him Way too much, and now he can actually end the universe as we know it so i'm I'm excited for this I'm also kind of sad because I really love this book, but you know all good things have to come to an end, especially in comic books, unless you a are a you know the Marvel or DC universe, then then we just keep going forever and ever. But um, I'm I'm happy to see that this book is getting like the time that it needs to actually come to an end. And I'm excited to catch up in like a big swath of comics. Maybe I'll do a full reread of of East of West. I figure if I've done I did a full reread of Chu. I can reread anything now. There's there's no limitations. Nothing is as long as Chu that I have in my backlog of like I need to reread this. Um, with the exception of Usagi no Jimbo, if I decide to Usagi no Jimbo. i I don't know how to fucking say this book's name um that's that's the only book that i probably won't be able to read all of it or elf quest as much as i want to i want to read all of elf quest but boy oh boy um that's a lot (laughs) of comics uh (laughs) but you know we're going to take a quick break and when we get back we're going to be talking about the goodreads book of the month as voted on by the fantastic people over at our goodreads group so we'll take a break and we'll be back in a second So this week we are talking about our Goodreads book of the month as voted on by the fantabulous human beings that are over at the Goodreads group. That's Goodreads, if, you, if you're if you not on it you, you gotta join it. You can go to ircbpodcast.com slash goodreads and join our group right now and start getting in on this discussion and this voting. And then you can listen to books, Here's talk about books that you voted on or, or even suggested. In the case of this week's episode we are talking about Comics for a Strange World, a book of poorly drawn lines by Reza Farazmand. And this is a book that I just want to get out of the way to be to begin with, this is a book of collected strips. So that means, you know, this, this person, Reza, had posted all of these books or, excuse me, posted all these comics on their website where you could read them strip by strip, week to week, or day to day, or however often, you know, they publish things. And this is a collected edition of a chunk of those books, as well as, so, according to the description on Amazon, a hundred pages of extra content. So I think, you know, stuff from online and then some original stuff to incentivize you to go buy this book. So, if you're looking for a holistic narrative story you're not going to get it with this book because it's just a collection of single page or maybe two page strips that have a punchline every single time um, so you know reading through this you're kind of just getting bit after bit after bit after bit which can be good and can be bad so I mean I'm going to open up the discussion floor to Nick and Kate what did you guys think of this, this collected volume of strips?
1: I definitely had a hard time switching from reading comics that have a specific narrative to reading a collection of, of single panels that don't have an ongoing narrative. I mean, I, I enjoy comic strips in general. Like if I, if I scroll past them in social media or read them in a newspaper 10 years ago (laughs) or who still um, gets the paper. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If, if I see a panel as a single panel, like this like this specific comic i do see it occasionally on like pinterest or reddit or something then mm-hmm. i enjoy it but to sit down and read it in an hour like the whole thing back to back was a little rough
0: yeah yeah i i definitely felt the same way like it was it was definitely a book that i picked up and, and put down a couple times just because i felt a little overwhelmed with just the, the constant joke after joke after joke um but i don't know nick what did you think well, you know, thinking about it now, what's kind of
2: interesting is that, you know, I'm now running through the idea in my head of, um, you know, collected books of comic strips sometimes don't really bug you, and what kind of, you know, didn't really drive with me about this one, and I think part of it is just that, like, even if you have a collected book of, say, something like, um, uh... Foxtrot or, or Garfield even, yeah. uh, there can tend to be a, a narrative arc that goes through the daily strips. Maybe the arc is, is a week, maybe the arc is two weeks and so there's a sense of continuity and, and even a sense that the, the comic strip writer, artist um, can sort of flesh out a, a longer playing story right? And, and I think part of the problem with this book is that there's not really any of that. There are some minor callbacks. There are a, f- a few characters that return from here to there, um, but there isn't really a big payoff in terms of that. And so, really, what you end up is just a lot of very different cartoons, um, just kind of smashed next to each other across these pages. Um, and I think sometimes what that does is it, um, even if the 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 strip is is good like it really doesn't give the strip uh, a chance to breathe because you're just you know f- fucking turn into the next page and you're just running uh, you know running into the next one anyway mm-hmm. so you don't like sort of get a chance to really sit with it unless you're imposing that upon yourself and i'm sure some people are saying out there well nick um you know the what what, what about the far side then you know that was just one panel and it didn't really have arcs and shit and and the the far side was a unique
0: piece of of genius work so how dare you so <laughs> yeah. uh, well, um it's that, interesting that you say that because i was also thinking about well what about other books that are just kind of strips right mm-hmm. and i like that you brought up the idea of a a maybe overarching narrative that didn't necessarily require you to read all of them, but if you did, there was a slight payoff, like, such as in Garfield. Um, oh, definitely. Or even something like Nimona, for instance. I mean, that's a book that I think we champion pretty hard on this series, or on this podcast. And Nimona is a series of short comics or strips in some ways, like one-page comics or multi-page comics um, that really... Like there is an overarching story, but if you read them one off with the idea of knowing who the characters are, like if you knew who Garfield and Day or Jim and whatever the fucking the dog's name was, if you knew <laughs> Odie. Odie, if you knew who those characters were, um, like you could read those one off. Um, even if there you knew there was an overarching story, you know, like Garfield eventually eating all of Jim's body and organs and mind, um, such as the the re- subreddit that's out there implies, but. Um, that's that's totally unrelated. I guess what I'm trying to say is without that even even a remote sense of narrative um or mm-hmm. or anything this book does kind of fall a little bit flat especially at least for me because a lot of the the comics didn't really Hit home like a lot of them were kind of just like oh like it just ended or the joke kind of fell flat for me and that seemed to happen like over large groups of pages Um like and I and I did have some some strips that I really enjoyed I, I jotted some of them down in our notes um, and we will go through that in a little bit but I mean on the whole I'm not really huge on strip comics. Um, like even when I was reading them in the newspaper, when I you know back when I was in high school working at lunch and I didn't have anything to read, I would pick up a newspaper and just read the Sunday comics. And I mean those are funny because I'm reading them once a week. And I think to go back to your point of you know none of these had time to breathe. I think that's what made makes this web comic really work is that maybe they, you weren't getting comics every day or, or or multiples in a row. You were getting them maybe once or twice or three times a week, and you could like come back to them and having not thought about them for a day or two, and that's what made it funny. Um, I'd be curious to know if there's anyone out there who binge read all of these comics like online and really got a kick out of it because I feel like the the like slight humor that you get out of some of them um, overall just becomes kind of mediocre as the story goes like as the as the book goes on as you start to binge a bunch of these you kind of go oh. I don't know how funny a lot of these are and that's unfortunate because I think that when, when the comic does work really well or when the single strip does work really well, it's fucking hilarious. It's just unfortunate that I don't think that a lot of them really hit home or maybe that's just me. Um, Kate, I don't know if you had the same feeling. I I feel like you're maybe approached this in a different direction than Nick and I.
1: I don't know. I went into this. um, Like I said before, I've run into a couple of these panels online here and there and I enjoyed it. So I was looking forward to this um, and I kind of knew what I was getting into. The one thing that really hung me up for about half of the book is that some of these some of these panels are two to three pages, but there's absolutely nothing to indicate that the next page is not a different panel. So for a little while, I was like, "Wait, is this just the same characters and a different joke, or is this a a totally different panel and it's supposed to stand alone by itself?" And then only some of the panels had titles, so although it helped when the next one was a title, it didn't help when I was trying to figure out that oh. Th- these three pages are the same joke,
2: and because the art style is so basic, it's difficult to like try to spot contextual identifiers that would indicate you know, whether or not it's the same strip or
1: not. though the art style did work for me for this type of comic,
0: yeah, i think I agree. I actually really enjoyed the very simple um static kind of feel of everything like it really that makes it work for me as a strip totally I- i'm I'm
2: kind of torn on this because I feel like there's there's kind of some sort of aesthetic in 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 the webcomic community i wouldn't i don't know if i'd call it like a house aesthetic but it sort of feels like there's this real minimalist um look that's kind of like i said sort of a house style and i feel like this kind of embodies that and i'm not saying it's bad but (laughs) i'm not saying it's bad but it's not good (laughs) um This does seem in line with a lot of the other ones that I feel are all kind of consciously or not chasing um, that, the oatmeal money. For those who aren't (laughs) aware, the oatmeal is that webcomic that has spawned 18 million books and card games and and whatever. So...
1: We did have a comment from a Goodreads member um, named Adam, and he said the art is... the art as advertised is very simple or poor by the author's own admission. And that's one of the things I love about it. And he also said that it's gotten better or cleaner over time, proving that practice really does make perfect or at least better. And I, mm-hmm. and I have to agree with that. I mean, I, I think that this style works for the comic and I can see how once the, uh, the artist has selected that style, they would just lean into it. I think that the, the lettering in particular really worked for me. I mean, it's, I don't, I actually couldn't tell if it's hand lettered or a font and because it's so consistent and, and reasonably clean, even though it does look like pencil strokes or brush strokes. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, to
0: go back to, to what Nick was saying, like the quote unquote house style, I think that, you know, the simple, simple drawing style is, is there for a specific reason yeah. in that. You know, it's hard to make a comic, especially if you've got a comic coming out a handful of times a week, Um, you know, you really have to draw as simple as possible. Otherwise, you you fall to fall prey to the thing that plagues every webcomic that's ever existed, you know, not delivering on time. Um, and especially if you're trying to make bits, I mean, you look at other comics that are pretty popular, um, like Alex Norris's web comic name, which is the quote unquote Oh No comic, um, you know, where it's just a blob and something happens. And at the end, it's always said, someone is always saying, Oh No, um, mm-hmm. I think, or if you look at, um, extra fabulous comics, um, for instance, that's another very simple style, um, that the creator, you know, just draws with a pen and pencil and yeah. it's, it's, you know, very simple, like characters, very simple, I, I would say very Similar in style to poorly drawn lines um, And I think it's again because they need To be able to churn these out um, Many many in advance probably to, in order To schedule to make sure they don't fall behind Because that is the one thing that kills a webcomic It's not it's constant delivery um, if Well you don't and there's do no that, denying that as much As
2: we might say a comic is simple Crude basic Poorly drawn, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter how much we might have an idea or estimate how long it takes to create that strip, it's always going to be longer. It's always going to be a more difficult process and a more arduous one than what you or I could could um, could imagine. You know, even yeah. though there's the real temptation to look at some things and go, I could do that. Well, you probably could, but you also don't have any fucking clue how long it took that guy to do it.
0: Right, and and I don't think that we're saying that that the art style here is bad. I think right. it's it is just as it's a simpler art style than say what we're used to in you know. Major Western comics, is specifically when we 're looking at the big two where we 're looking at you know um, there 's just a heavy amount of detail that you 're not going to get in a strip comic because the idea of a strip comic in specifically in the case of poorly drawn lines is not necessarily to tell a narrative story but to tell mm-hmm. a a story that is shareable, can go viral, and is simple enough that someone can take it in in a second on their mobile phone or something like that i mean that is I think the there is some sort of, I, I talked to a friend of mine, um, Kyle, who's, he was like a, he's an artist that's, you know, worked on a handful of different things, and his big thing when he was working on his strip comic was he needed to make it short enough that someone can consume it very quickly, um, and it also needs the has the potential to be super shareable as well as super relatable, and I think that's what they were going for, you know, like, uh, Faraz I think, was definitely trying to create a bunch of comics that you could go, oh yeah, that's me, or you could send to a friend and go, it you, in your, in your <laughs> you know, chat of choice that you prefer you know it's 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 really funny i mean there was one in specific that i put in my notes here like page um 172 i was like this is me and nick and it's because that's it's two people just fighting with each other because they're they're (laughs) friends but they also hate each other at the same time um (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i mean it's 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 the shapes club um comic for anyone that's interested and um i think it's it's very very funny but like again there there was a handful of these in here that i really enjoyed i had a lot of fun with with some of the jokes that uh that were that were put in the book and i don't know if you guys had any particular um comic bits that uh really stood out for you in this book but i didn't think that on the whole this was like a bad book i just think mm-hmm. that is a, is a collection of strips like I don't think this is necessarily something you should sit down and read in a sitting like I did um, I think it's something that you should put on a coffee table and just kind of pick up every once in a while or have someone look at and you know say oh look this is a really funny strip um, or maybe you just wanted to buy it to support the creator and that's totally understandable as well
2: well and I think a lot of that just boils down to the, to the simple fact that comedy is tough and it's really hard to do mm-hmm. and I think it's even more difficult in a medium where you don't have intonation and voices to help you and you can try to control the pacing via page breaks and, and panel sequencing but that doesn't factor in the fact that some readers read massively faster than others, other readers don't take in the same amount of information you know, as other people do and so just comedy is, 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 is it's really hard to do and I think Sometimes where this book seems to consistently misstep is just not having as long of a buildup. And maybe blah, 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 ha, ha, Fortnite, millennials, everything's on fire. Uh, maybe this is just another reflection of people just having shortened attention spans and the author is merely just trying to play to that. But for me, it was some of the longer strips, especially Um, like the one about Sturb's package, right? Where he gets the package for the guy named Sturb and it's not (laughs) him and he throws it away. And then Sturb shows up and the only natural solution is to throw him away too. Um, Like that worked for me. And I think it's because the joke had more of an arc. It had a little bit more of a buildup. Um, there was a bit of time to just sort of anticipate what was going to happen as opposed to, like, panel one, panel two, panel three were done. Um,
1: yeah, Lenny and our so. Goodreads group pretty much said the same thing about the difficulty of humor in comics. She said, you're essentially creating comedic timing between the space between panels, and the joke has to have both visual and written strength for it to land, which I have to agree with. I mean... If you're missing one of those, it's not going to work out when they're your only ingredients.
0: Yeah, and I I think some of some of the jokes in this could have landed better with an extra panel or two. Like, and I I'm saying that like again, not necessarily knowing how this would work, but I think there there are a handful of comics that are just like four panels, and to me, when you're having it, when it comes down to panel or comics like that and you have two characters talking, you need to put them both in one panel to have the conversation or you essentially run out of time for the joke to land. Like you need an extra beat in order for there to be like a comedic timed hit. Um, and again, I'm I'm speaking out of my ass only from my own understanding of how all this works, but um, there there's just a handful like that that I was like, Oh, if only we had a you know a little bit more to this could have worked better. And I, I mean I see that in even like Alex Norris and Extra Fabulous Comics, the two other that I, I really am familiar with, sometimes those the jokes in those comics don't land because there isn't an extra beat of panel Um, and you'll you'll see them try to experiment with different layouts and stuff like that in order to try to fix that I think Um, like for instance Extra Fabulous Comics I know that he goes back and some of his comics that he wants to improve upon or were kind of funny he will go back and redraw them and to try to improve them he'll change the layout he'll add extra panels and stuff um, for the quote unquote finalized version because I'm guessing at some point he's going to put out a published book and it's going to have these finalized styled comics because normally what he does is he pushes out publishes like basic pen and inks um and then when he does these uh, like upgraded version they actually have like minor color and and um they're like clearly digitally edited versus just having a scanned in copy of like a piece of paper um so yeah i mean it's it's obviously a very tough thing I, I think like none of us are necessarily experts on it but you know as consumers we can we can always look at this stuff and kind of try to criti- like give it some critical feedback um and I I don't know I think there, there there are a lot of places in this book where things work and a lot of them where where things fall flat. Um, yeah, I'm just a I'm, I think this is a weird this is a weird book because a collection of strips to me just doesn't work. But that's just me.
2: I think some of it might just boil down to the way in which the strips were organized in the book, honestly. And it's hard for me to put my finger on, but I think. I think maybe in some cases it would have helped if um, strips that did tend to use the same characters or whatever, if they were um, obviously put together. Um, But I also, I don't know, like I think the book had like four themes or four chapters and for me it just felt really arbitrary in terms of um, the organization. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know, I, I think some of it really just is like, yeah, this guy has certain themes that he likes to riff on And if you're reading this once a week or something like that, then maybe it just doesn't become really evident. But if you're, like, marathoning this whole book in an hour, like, you sort of start to come up with a short list of, well, these are the seven things that, like, this book seems to really encompass. Mm -hmm. And it just becomes much more blindingly obvious um, as opposed to creating a desire for, you know, a strip that you won't see for another month or something like that. Yeah. Because otherwise I was like, okay, we get it. Like, the internet's bad. People are stupid. Cats hate everyone. Technology has ruined us. And an obligatory joke about drinking tea, right? Yeah. Um, and I mean, I can sarcastically say that having marathoned the book. But if I was just reading this once a week, I don't think I would come away going like, like, I've got your number, buddy. Like, I get it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that the the categorization thing that you talked about doesn't necessarily help that, right? Because the panels that are broken up into four chunks... Um, and they're all kind of centered around a specific theme and it feels like that was intentional, right? That well, obviously it was intentional. They, they put all the stories that take place featuring birds and, you know, different animals and stuff talking to each other into a section. There's a whole section about technology. There's a whole section about, you know, humans are weird. And, um, so you get, you kind of start to see some of those themes a little bit clearer. Um, I don't know if that was, that in particular was the intention of the author to say like, Oh, you can see kind of how all of my jokes are formulated. Um, Mm-hmm. Um, but like I, I I agree that some of that is kind of easy to take away. Um, but again, this seem th- all of those themes that you talked about. I mean, you've got a couple more in your in your list here. But I mean, those seem to be the the prevalent jokes of the internet. <laughs> I don't think that's unique to this specific comic.
2: It's the prevalent jokes of of a lot of webtoons and beyond that. Yeah, it's just these are the things that uh, it, people who partake in a lot of internet media it's the things that they're obsessed with too so right you know it's it's not just a criticism it's just merely the fact that when you're you know full tilt running through this book it, it becomes a lot easier to go like okay like i've i've got this figured out even though it's it's unfair to be like wow you know you, you can't talk about the internet being bad like someone's already done it right that's just right stupid right.
0: well and and i guess to, to flip that note um are, how or Was there anything that you, you liked about this book? I mean, were there any comics that you liked about this book? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I
2: think probably my favorite, and I feel like, unfortunately, I think it resonates with me because it probably is me. And so it was like, at the end, it was la- a laugh followed by like personal introspection and disgust was... Um, <laughs> The moment where the guy goes i'm mad and the other guy goes here's a solution so i think that's you mike that's you here's yeah that's a solution me. and then i go i don't want a solution i want to be mad
0: <laughs> and i was yes.
2: like, fuck
0: yes i the, the the one that i was talking about between me and nick was the i'm a circles person and the other guy says i'm a squares person <laughs> and actually let me let me actually pull this up because it's very funny to me <laughs> um the guy says, I like squares and I prefer circles, but we still respect each other. <laughs> the guy's pushing his square to the other guy's face. And says, Get that dirty bullshit out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> because that's again yeah. that's that's me and nick i mean there there yeah. was there were some good moments i don't know kate i want you to jump in here was there was there any particular strip that tickled you as you were reading this
1: i really enjoyed the the page four panel just immediately as i opened the book and i could see framing this and putting it in one of my three tea cabinets there's there's mm-hmm. four panels and it's it's the same guy with a growing beard with four different things in front of him, and it says it started with coffee soon became energy drinks and then it moved to harder things and eventually tea <laughs> <laughs> and
0: the harder things are like cocaine and heroin <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i've
1: never i've never done hard, harder things i mean but... the scary
2: thing is i think we all know people provided you omit the hard drug stuff i mean i think that like <laughs> that's their arc like that's, that's me. them and yeah, you, exactly. you notice,
0: guys, that the beard has grown. Like, that is my yep. life. I went from coffee to energy drinks, and we're not going to talk about my hard drugs phase. On to tea. <laughs> That's all that I can drink now is tea in, in soda water. <laughs> so, I mean, I get it. I totally understand it. As I said, some of these comics, you can very much say, it me.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, I, I think for me, the other one that I think another one I really relate with is just... Um, one sixty nine, where the the bear says, "I finished all my work at the last minute. I didn't even use caffeine; just good old fashioned desperation." And I think, <laughs> I think for those of us who have tried successfully or not to get off of caffeine, um, we're so proud of ourselves, but then we realize that it's just us, like clinging onto the you know edge of our chair to get things done. So, um, I mean, I I really liked that. Uh, the one where like the, the, the parent goes, um, what is that? On page thirty five where the parent says something like, Oh, um, what did you draw? And the he the baby shows him and he drew like Big Bird and the parent says, Yeah, that's plagiarism, like you're going to jail or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. Um <laughs> Like, I think people being punished for things that they shouldn't be punished for is just like, that's, you know, putting a baby, for some reason, putting a baby in jail is like my jam. So whatever that says (laughs) about me, like, (laughs) you know, I loved it. so I think it was
1: very good social commentary about the state of intellectual property on the internet. (laughs) Yes. I, very one of well done ones, in three panels
0: the one that one of the ones that i really liked again and it's funny because i think some of these like we you know we talked about some of these beats don't hit after like three panels or four panels or something but some of the ones that i did really like were very short um like it, page 63 for instance the goat he screams like a man and there's just a goat and he says i'm so tired and the next panel is i'm so tired all the time <laughs> <laughs> something about that just just really just really hit me um and i feel like xander could totally relate because that's that sounds like him um that's why he fills himself up with caffeine and energy drinks and eventually he's gonna turn to hard drugs guys we should all be worried about him he just hasn't grown that beard yet so buy
1: him (laughs) some tea for christmas so that he just that phase
0: yeah we'll just skip him right into phase four i think there's a lot of i mean there are a lot of really good strips in that i think we you know we've been pretty or pretty critical of this book but there there are some really good stuff um in this book, it's just a matter of, you know, kind of getting through it all to find those. And I think a lot of these ones, like, I, I know that some of them I read in here that I thought were pretty funny were things that I had seen on the internet before, um, mm-hmm. like that had been shared around or retweeted or something like that or posted on Reddit. Um, and because I, I think, like, this, you know, this creator d- does a pretty good job of creating a very specific like styled comic with a very, you know, dry, sarcastic tone to everything, um, which is, again, is a very, can be a very popular thing on the internet. I think there are a lot of strips out there that do that. But the, this one is successful because I think um, it's it has a style to it that I think a lot of people can can easily, again, say like, you know, oh, I, I relate to this. Like I very much can relate to this because despite the, the simplistic nature and maybe even just maybe two animals talking, um, it is, still able to convey that dry sense of humor that is, I think, very pervasive on the internet. And I think, obviously, this is what this is aimed at. Yeah, which is kind of like, I don't
2: know, it's kind of like a catch-22, because honestly, um, yeah, I think think having this in, like, book form and the way it's organized, like, I think it doesn't do um, a a real... I, I, I think it doesn't really put the best foot forward in terms of consuming and enjoying this content. I think if this was something you had once a week um i think you would probably enjoy more but then i think the catch of that is i think that this book in terms of aesthetic in terms of layout in terms of approachability i think this is something that you could feel comfortable handing to people who aren't as familiar or um you know used to reading comics and i think that those people would probably enjoy this book so
0: yeah yeah i don't know um I mean, like I said before, I think this is a good coffee table book. I, I don't fucking understand what coffee table books really are in that yeah. who the fuck has a coffee table that they just leave books they on They gotta like to weigh this. seven
2: pounds and have glossy photos. That's oh, okay. pretty much... Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I just... But,
0: but again, I think that that description of it isn't necessarily a bad one. It's like a book that you kind of pick up and skim through every once in a while. And that's exactly it. That's exactly it. You just pick up and you
2: skim once in a while. That's... Ex- yeah. You hit the nail on the head. That's that's where this book, I think, would shine.
1: That's a much nicer way of saying this is a great book for your bathroom. Like, is what what I wrote in our notes. Sure, I, mean, I I think that that's true, and I don't think that that's necessarily a bad
0: thing. Right. Right. Because if you said that about like you know a, a a big two comic, I think that that would be a little strange. But something like this, that is just a something you don't necessarily need to invest a lot of time in or order to get a lot out of it, um, is is the perfect like descriptor. Like it's something that you just skim, and I don't think that that is a detriment to the book because like you don't necessarily want to do what we did for this for this group which is read it all in a sitting because then you kind of feel like overwhelmed with jokes and bits and when you start comparing the better ones to the to the not so better ones uh, you 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 really start to kind of draw a line of like is this book even good compared to if you skim it and you kind of go get a little bit of laugh out of yourself um, you'll go Mm -hmm. oh this is a really fun little book that I just have laying around Um, I, I think that to me is the conclusion to take away from this is that this isn't a book for binge reading this is a book for skimming when you have time you know if you got 10 minutes take a few comics in.
2: Yeah, and I I think honestly now that this has crossed my brain, I think a lot of the utility in a book like this um comes from people who have already enjoyed the strips, simply having them consolidated in physical form. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know what the percentage would be of sales on something like that, but I have to imagine a lot of the people buying this are already familiar with the with the content. And so for them like yeah. they already know that they like it,
0: you know. Yeah or they maybe read one comic and they were like hey this is you know I'm going to buy this for a friend of mine cuz I thought it yeah. was really funny yeah exactly. This is a great gift. I think it was like eleven or twelve bucks on Amazon so if uh, you know you're waiting you're, you have a friend's Christmas that you're doing after you know Christmas um you know this is a perfect book if you can get it shipped in the hellish time that is post Christmas Amazon shipping or whatever at least it was twelve bucks on Amazon. <laughs> go to your local bookstore, go to your local somewhere and pick this up instead. That would be much better than buying from amazon. I think um, anyways, I guess do you guys have any final thoughts about this? do you have other other like strip comic?
1: books like this, like collected editions of strips that you would recommend to people? I used to read the the Garfield collected editions all the time when I was, like, seven. <laughs> okay. oh, okay, <laughs> I, I, yeah. it's
0: Somewhere in my apartment, I have a copy of Garfield minus Garfield, the collected edition, which is the, you know just the collection of Garfield comics, but someone edited out Garfield in all of them. And it's very funny because it's just Jim being crazy. Um, I remember that. That was a fun Tumblr.
1: Yeah, I think that we should... Um... Do an episode where we do a bunch of research and read a bunch of books like this and then talk about collected webcomics. I'm up for it. Oh, oh,
0: brother. I don't know if I could do that. This book was, I mean, it was honestly tough to get through because of just how many little gags there were and the ones that didn't work really put me off. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, we could do it, Kate. I just am going to come at it with a real salty, salty mindset. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's kind of funny is, like, I was thinking
2: about You know, I don't I didn't thoroughly enjoy this book, but I also didn't thoroughly hate it. But in terms of other web comics that are out there, I think for me, like a lot of the stuff that works is the stuff over at Webtoons, which is like the complete
0: polar opposite. It's like
2: hyper serialized. Right. Like that's
0: the stuff where you miss one and well, sort of. Sort of, because I think Shen, like for instance, Shen comics. He he does he does like longer strip style comics, right? Or he'll do small yeah. strips. But I I think for the most part, ninety five percent of webtoon is just is serialized comics, but just done in a different format than like Western page turn comics. Right, right, yeah. So, but I think that's the, interesting. The 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 thing to bring up about that though is that the strip comics that do well over there do have a certain thing about them that makes them work. Right, like uh Sarah Scribbles, for instance, is a strip comic that's like relatable a f if we have to get you know use the terminology of the internet um <laughs> and I think you know something like uh like Shen comics is another example um shucks, there was another one that I had on the top of my head that I what's the remember other now. one that
2: everyone always talks about was it my my tall gamer boyfriend, no my uh, giant gamer my my boyfriend?
0: yeah well that one yeah, my giant nerd boyfriend is a big one, but that's that's more of a like autobiographical narrative story because she does do like ongoing st- like things. Um, right. And
2: I think that's why it works. Like, it hits sure. the sweet
0: spot between being semi serialized
2: and yet also you can consume one and share it and it's super shareable.
0: Right. And it's, um, again, it has that potential to go viral. There's some meme yeah. culture in there. Like, it's got a lot. Like, she really hits the nail on the head when it comes to all that stuff. Um, and I think yeah. Shen does the exact same thing. Like, his comics are super relatable. He does a lot of stuff that I think hits internet culture right on the head. Um, but it helps that he's been doing it for like 500 strips and he took like a year off and there's still like a plethora of his content to get through. Um, but yeah, but to your point, Nick, Webtoon, I think, is a great place to kind of consolidate a lot of this stuff. Um, I don't think, like, for instance, this uh, poorly drawn lines is not on there. Um, and I think a lot of like independent webcomic artists haven't put their stuff up there. Um, and I, the reason why, I don't know. I think there might be some ownership issues or something like I've that. I've heard but who knows. that
2: it's been intimated. Yeah, that there are some like ip creators things. who don't put their stuff on there have a have a reason for it yeah yeah
0: yeah um i don't know i think um kate i don't know are there are any any other web comics out there that you'd recommend to folks i don't know if you're reading anything that is in this kind of strip style
1: i yeah i really don't read that many web comics other than the occasional panel on pinterest so okay fortunately okay. i don't but i'd like to read more
0: well Nick's got a whole plethora of webtoons um, that he could send you I, I know it <laughs> Oh God.
1: But, okay well true
0: I, I appreciate you guys taking the time to read this book I know it was it's you know it had its ups and downs but um, I, I appreciate the discussion here I, I really want to know if you if you read this and you aren't on the Goodreads group you know jump over there on Goodreads we're still talking about it for the through the end of the month um, so if you have any comments please drop them in there but um, otherwise for now I mean you can follow us all on Twitter you can follow Kate at Kate Elfier you can follow Nick at Death Star Plans you can follow follow me at Mike Rappin and you can follow the show at IRCB podcast on Twitter and on Instagram. I try to post there whenever I can, our Instagram's falling behind because December has been a weird, crazy month for me.
2: So for those not aware, uh, the show is powered by fans like you on Patreon. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash IRCB podcast. Uh, if you join now, you can get access to exclusive audio articles, previews of the IRCB schedule, early access to top of my pile posts and so much more. We would also encourage you to check out our Goodreads group. It's a lovely community of comic friends. You can join our yearly reading challenge. You can comment on our weekly threads. There's a whole lot going on over there. That's at ircbpodcast.com forward slash Goodreads.
1: Head over to ircbpodcast.com for our pronunciation guide, Discord server, zines, merchandise, and everything else, IRCB. If you haven't already, please rate and review our show, five stars on Amazon, five stars on iTunes, uh, Spotify, and beyond, and we'll read your review on the next episode. Email the show with what you've been reading, recipes, corrections, etc. I- at ircbpodcast at gmail.com.
0: Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all the music for our show. We love them so very, very much. Their new album is stupendous. You should all go, go check that out at infinityshred.com or on their Bandcamp. Xander is a high wizard. He's a great friend. He's a great DM and a person that's just fun to be around. He and I worked on editing this episode. I'll tell you that in advance. I want to say thank you to Kate. I want to say thank you to Nick for being here this week. I appreciate you guys digging into this book with me. And thank you to all the Goodreads folks out there who voted and nominated and had discussion on the Goodreads group with us it's always fantastic really love all you folks out on discord if you're not on our discord make sure you join it and until next time comics are good and so are you on with the witcher what
1: is that animated or is it it's it's
0: real life oh no you gotta see every single curvature of henry cavill's muscly body <laughs> he's so muscly according to the to the costume designer that his muscles wore down the leather under his that, yeah. clothes
2: well if it's anything like the games it should just be him having sex with everyone which i mean
0: yeah are you that, uh, that is it's true Where did you hear that? i saw it on the internet So it has to be true.